first interstitial of a new season. You know, it was like this big discussion. What could we do? What could we Better do? Better make it good. Better make it How good. How do we top it? How do we top it? Secret baby, everybody. Secret baby. We've never done it. <laughs> Three years, we've never done it. I feel like there's a reason. <laughs> well, you accused me of cheating already, so. I mean, listen, Jen cheated <laughs> right away, like first class. I feel like, I feel like when you cheat on the first test, Jen. <laughs> okay, first of all. You brought in a ringer, and it's not fair. I, I did text Nisha Sharma this morning at 8.30 and said, we're recording Secret Baby in two hours. If you have anything I need to talk about. Brought in a ringer. You know what? You got to know your people. You got to know what they're good at. You have to know their strengths. Listen, <laughs> here's my problem. <laughs> I pieced out of the Secret Baby trope with the exception of two authors. All right. And, I mean, like, frankly, if anybody, like, uh, wait. Welcome, everyone, to Faded Mates. <laughs> I'm Sarah McLean. I read romance novels, and I write them. And I'm Jennifer Prokop, a romance reader, critic, and editor. Oh, look at that. You're getting better at this. I'm getting better at saying all the things <laughs> I do. I'm romance, everybody. I just am romance. Jen romance. <laughs> um... And anyway, you're listening to Faded Mates. It's season four. This is the first interstitial topic of the season. Um, somebody tweeted us. I don't understand what interstitial means. <laughs> and I feel like sure. they must be new. Um, because we've taught we've used this word for many, 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 many seasons. But I also want to point out that you also didn't know that. Right. I didn't know the word. But so in season one, we had episodes. We were gonna do this read along Presley Cole, and we thought like one book a week was too many. So we should have something in between, mm-hmm. right? But now we actually probably do more interstitials than read-alongs. So <laughs> overstitials. Really, the interstitial <laughs> episodes are what what was once every other week. Yeah. Now is, you know, whenever we feel like it. And those are the episodes where we talk about a trope and unpack it and, you know, do the business. The secret baby business. We're doing the secret baby business. I have something to say before we start. Because I want to put a disclaimer. I don't want to talk about it through the whole episode. I want to talk about, like, one thing. And then we'll just, like, talk about it like it's regular. Which is... One of the things about the secret baby trope is that it relies on women choosing to have a baby despite yes. an abortion. Yes. You stole what I was going to say. All right. Go well, let, let's talk about it. Because I don't want to talk about it throughout. But I think this is one of the reasons... Typically, this in contemporaries has been a hard sell for me, right? You get young women, many of whom have like careers and lives and plans. And that are, I will also point out, like there is sometimes like, you know, they're not big churchgoers. They're not like conservative, capital C conservative, right? Right. And yet abortion is like never even often like a thought. It's just like, of course, I had a one night stand. I'm just going to have this baby. And that's, I think, sometimes why this is a hard trope for me. So I just felt like considering that we are current state of the world and we ran our um, bodily autonomy episode a few weeks ago, we can't talk about Secret Baby without at least naming that this is a trope that really relies on women not even often considering what would be Correct. a pretty obvious option. Yes. So I agree. And that is part of why I kind of pieced out on Secret Babies a while back with the exception of two authors, one of whom I'm going to talk about today. 
because I feel like, or I mean, obviously, if any of my favorite authors write a sure. secret baby book, I'm going to read it. Um, but I don't ever seek out secret baby romances. Um, I know a lot of people do. Um, part of that is because it's just not my kink. And I think we need to get into what it is that secret babies do for readers. But I just want to say that today the list that I made is full of, you know, truly, it's a, it is a far-reaching list. Yeah. Um, but I'm a little disappointed in myself because there is a secret baby plot that I really love that I think was installed young in me, mm-hmm. and I can't remember any of the books that did this. And that is... I'm sorry, you don't want to get into that yet. I can see on your face you have another thing. Well, I think what I'm going to say is, I think what's going to happen today is, and and then I want you to say it is, one of the things I was thinking about today as I was doing it is that Secret Baby is a trope that has changed a lot over time. Yeah. And we're going to talk about sort of old school 80s Secret Baby and then I think talk about like what it takes to make it work now is often something really different. So. Yes. Right? And I want to talk about Nobody's Baby But Mine as a place in time where that maybe Maybe. made the switch. Yeah, could be. In terms of plot. But let's talk about, let's do it in in chronological order because I want to talk about those old school books. Yes. Um, And this is where I'm like deeply disappointed and I did not cheat. So I did not go to the OSRBC Facebook page, which you can all join, which was (laughs) – um, begun, I started that about, I don't know, seven years ago, just to talk about old school historicals. Yeah. Because I wanted, I was looking for people who had read those kind of big old problematic texts and wanted to talk about them. And now it's eight to 9,000 people strong. And, you know, it's the greatest hive mind of, you know, romance, <laughs> romance right. readers there is. Um, you can head over to Facebook and search OSRBC. You have to answer the questions to be admitted into the group. Got it. Anyway, that's that. Okay. Those old, old romances, here's my kink. And if you can name these romances, please come into my Twitter feed and Instagram feed and tell me. (laughs) I really like it when a super alpha hero fucks shit up, (laughs) leaves the heroine, or she leaves him, because he has so completely... Messed up. Yes. And then comes back seven to eight months later <laughs> and finds her in a hut in Scotland, <laughs> big as a house. <laughs> Fair. And then loses his ever loving mind. Yeah, I That's agree what that I right want. Now. Sure. That's what I want. Yeah. And I want it for two reasons. I want it because I want him to be broken and destroyed. And I want her to have full pregnancy glow up. (laughs) And I want her to have, like, gravity-defying hair. Of course. Standing in the doorway, like, explain to me why I should take your sorry ass back. Yes. And then I want him to, like, Thatch a bunch of roofs and like <laughs> muck a bunch of stalls. Listen, episode over because I'm like gonna go find that book right now. This and is what I for want the rest of the day. Yeah, you guys, the these buttons are so yes. heavily installed in me. I know these books exist. 
Yes. I was certain they were Garwood books, but I can't find them. And I they they're like probably medievals. Yeah. There's definitely one. Did we read a Garwood where like we did read a Garwood. There's one Garwood where like she and her wolf get stuck in the snow, but I don't <laughs> think it's that one. I just Listen, here's my problem, you guys. I'm deeply disappointed in myself because I feel like I should know this book. I should read it once a year, and I'm really doing myself and all of you a disservice. So help me. Help me. I'm going to tell you why I don't think it's Garwood. I don't think it's Garwood because once a Garwood hero has the heroine in his sights, she is never going to be never out of his sight again. I know. I thought it. And then I was like, maybe it was McNaught. Because, I mean, this is yeah. really like thatched cottages in Scotland is some real medieval shit. Yeah. Devereux? I don't know. I we, don't know. It's hard. It could be. It, I I think it's one of the four J's, but it could be. <laughs> could be. <laughs> could be anything. All right. Well, anyway. We're going to have to do some more investigating. There is your assignment, Magnificent yeah. Firebirds. Go for it. <laughs> so I think the thing that's in <laughs> I love this. Like, see, I'm already so down with it. I'm like, why do I not like this trope? Because I mean, I'm but you, will, garbage. That you yeah. also have that kink installed. I know it. Oh, hell yes, I do, of course. Well, this is, I've said a million times, like my favorite thing. And clearly it comes from this. I just need to like trace it back to its origin is when a man is like, get gone. And she's like, peace out, see you, motherfucker. And yeah. she is gone. She's like, oh, I'm a single mom now? I got it. Mm-hmm, fine. No problem. Well, I will tell you. I've, she's so queen I, of all hells, right? It's like, yes, that is the only way that Wicked Abyss could be just like a touch better is if Lila ends up kicking Cyan out yes, of while she his has- realm and is pregnant with his heir. Yes, that'd be great. Somebody write me that fic. <laughs> <laughs> I know, we're just, like, ordering thick on demand. Everybody, <laughs> here's our wish list. Jen, do we have to explain Secret Baby? Yeah, I guess. Let's do it. I think we should. I think we should. For I posterity. For posterity. Okay. I think it's also important to point out that there's, like, and this was, like, Nisha's point. There's, like, Secret Baby versus Secret, secret pregnancy. pregnancy. Right? That's mine. I don't want... I, See, here's my thing. I don't like children on the page. So. <laughs> I don't like pregnancy on the page, though. So that's my problem. I've, like, noped out of a lot of books where there's, like, oh, now we're pregnant. And should I support her? Yeah. Fast forward. Okay. That's me, though. So Secret Baby is when the hero and heroine do it. And he and she is pregnant. And she does, for, for romance reasons to be determined later, <laughs> mm-hmm. does not tell him about the baby. And they are separated in some way that he finds out later or comes to understand later that she is, uh-huh. she's had his child. Right. Secret pregnancy, I would say is, it just happens, the timeline happens a lot faster. Yes. It all wraps up before the baby's born. So, but I want to talk about, mm, I have a lot of things I want to talk. I have a lot of <laughs> thoughts in my head. So aside from that. That old school version that I really like. Yeah. Um, so I think there are two ways that the the hero, there are multiple ways that the hero will find out that mm-hmm. this is happening. Um, the, and I think, but I think they fall into two buckets. One is the hero is told. Yes. By an outside party. That the heroine is somewhere and pregnant. Mm-hmm. And that often pushes him to, like, go and find her. Right. The other version is he finds out. He, like, 
returns to her. Yes. And discovers this. And then is like, why didn't you tell me? So I think one of those works significantly better for me. And that is the one where he returns to her and finds out. Because, one, it gives her, you know, we've already talked about the buttons that are installed. Yes. For me. And it gives her agency in a way where, you know, she has chosen to do this by herself or, like, with her family and with her community. With or without him, he returns to her or he arrives at her and discovers that he has this child. For me, it is essential that the hero be all in on the heroine before he discovers the baby, that there is a baby, which is why I like it Lisa Kleypas style, where he like tears across Britain to find her because he can't bear being without her, or this mysterious medieval style where he like is returning home from war and like finally gets a chance to apologize to this right woman that he loves, he's done. and then boom, pregnant. Instead of he happens by and she's pregnant or has a child. Right. Okay. I would like to talk about the heroine then. Yes. Because I feel like, now this is again, this is me. Yeah. Before you say that. Yeah, go ahead. It's so important. I think Secret Baby is a third rail. In like, We've talked a lot about the third rails mm-hmm. in romance being, yes. you know, cheating and yes. other things. But I think Secret Baby is a really interesting third rail for readers because it can tri- it can be really triggering, this whole pregnancy, happiness, love, yes. like who's all in on a, on a relationship. Do babies matter to the point, like, right. do, are babies essential sure. to a happy, happily ever after? All of this. So I just want to yes. name that, too. Like, there's a Right, squeaky. absolutely. If it's like we couldn't work it out, but now you have a baby, so it's like that baby log, boom, everything's perfect. That can be really hard for people, right? Yeah. So I, that that's a good point. Like, I think babies and romance are a, a bigger conversation that is sort of always ongoing. And so I think for secret baby people who love it, there's, like, different things that they love that are maybe a divorced from, like, an emotional feeling. For Like, as a reader. And I think that's why, like, this is a trope that pushes emotional buttons for you, the reader. And I think it really is visceral. We've talked so much about romance being a genre of emotion, right? K.J. Charles talks really eloquently about how it is fully an emotional genre, right? The things that we love about it are just hardwired. Yes. And... This genre, this subgenre especially, feels like you like secret baby slash secret pregnancy in a very specific Visceral way. way. Yes. Or you don't like it, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I think for me it's really interesting because I agree that that hero part works better. But for me, when secret baby doesn't work, it's often about the heroine's motivations for keeping it a secret. I think this is a lot harder of a sell in general for me in a contemporary. Correct. And the reason for that is because, I mean, and again, this is me. I, like, joke all the time. I'm like, being pregnant and having a baby was the hardest thing I've ever done. And there is not a chance in the fucking world I would have kept it secret from anybody. (laughs) I would like your help with this thing, this project I'm undertaking. So if the heroine's reason 
Now, again, this kind of skews contemporary because often in a historical, but it can, I think, be in any of them. But I'll just say this. If the heroine's reason for keeping the baby a secret is, I, in between having my love affair with this man and now, understand that I didn't know him the way I thought I was and perhaps he is not good or a danger to me. You know, he's a mobster or whatever. Laquette's Lies You Tell. Yes. Is a good example of this one. Then I have to go because it is my job. Like, now that I am going to be a mother or be a parent, it is my job to just protect this baby no matter what. And that means I have to get out of here. Versus I just couldn't bring myself to tell him the truth or it was really hard. Like or there a little was some kind of Yes. That almost never works for me. And I think the other X, so the reason for keeping it secret plus the X factor of time. Yes. But this is all about characterization, right? Which is what you're saying. Absolutely. Because there is an old school one that I've talked about in an old episode, so I don't want to go too deep into it, but Elizabeth Lull's Warrior, which is the one about Nevada. (laughs) Right. Of course. (laughs) Nevada, the Black Ops mercenary, and Eden, the wildcat scientist. And he can see so the one who's been smelling pregnancy. on her. <laughs> yeah, of course. Listen. <laughs> but now here's the thing. Eden get I'm spoiling. I'm gonna spoil this hard for everybody because who this 80-year-old book stuff. 80s book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um Eden gets pregnant with Nevada's baby in a um like a shack in the icy cold woods as they're sure. big cat hunting. Right. Sure. And uh he, but he is a black ops mercenary, right? So, I mean, he just, he can't love. I mean, of course, he can't. he's broken. He can't love. So. <laughs> so, fine. Fact, fact verified. He's like, you know, nice to nice to see you, and he leaves, and and he can't love, and she is, of course, like pure love, like love, 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 love. And one of the ways that she loves is she lost her sister, her younger sister, when she was very young. And she wears the gold ring that her sister wore around on a chain around her neck. And then when Nevada comes back to, like, happens by, I don't know, wanders in. Sure. <laughs> whatever, romance reasons. Stumbles upon a mobile hanging over his niece his yeah. niece's crib and hanging from the mobile is the chain with the 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 sister's ring on it and he's like oh, i stole love she can no longer love either because i'm a monster and then he goes to her and he gets to her and he can smell pregnancy on her and listen i've read this entire book so many it times it works great for me sure because I'm like, well, Eden obviously couldn't tell her that, tell him that she was pregnant because he can't love. <laughs> I mean, also he like was away on his black ops, and there's no cell phones. This right? is Elizabeth Lowell, and if Elizabeth Lowell tells me a hero can't love, I believe her. <laughs> no Elizabeth Lowell hero can love. My God, no. no. But I mean, I think. But so that's the thing. It's like there's a lot of things that kind of have the to other like, thing that work exactly right. Yeah, yeah. The other thing that works in this. Stems from historicals, but also works for me in contemporaries, is Hero Goes to War. Oh, for sure. Which is Vanessa Riley's uh, Bittersweet Bride is Hero Goes to War. And it's, you know, that is 
a great secret baby historical because they have this like intense love affair there. He's an earl, I think. I can't remember. He's like going to be a title, have a title. And his family is very opposed to the match because she's black and he is white and an earl. And this is, you know, Regency England. Um, And so there's a class piece here too. She gets pregnant, and before she can tell him, his family buys him a contract to go off to war and be a soldier. And so she is stuck. This is really great and historically, like, interesting because she is stuck with the singular choice of having to marry someone else in order to protect herself and her child. Right. Um, And so they marry, and then luckily that guy dies just in time for the hero to return. And then it's a secret. Then it's sort of a, I have this child. He's X years old. He has, you know, he maybe looks a little like you, but I also had a husband who took this child, like named this child with his name and raised it as his own. And so the reveal that this child is the heroes is a good one. So a similar story, uh, another historical I liked is called What Ails the Earl by Sally McKenzie. And I might have talked about this before at some point. I love Sally's books. Yeah. And you know what? This one's really great. So Penny and Penny and Harry are the main characters. And what I loved about this is like they're teenagers. He's like the heir. He's the, no, he's not the heir. He's the spare. And you know what I also really loved about this? Like, they're, like, essentially, like, childhood sweethearts. And there's this great part where, like, Penny is just, like, you know, I was 17, and our bodies were made to do this, and it was great, right? And then he goes off to fight in the war, and after he leaves, she's like, oh, my God, what's happened to me? And, of course, you know, she has to deal with all the ramifications of it. She ends up at this essentially like home for widows and children and kind of lies to everybody that she's a widow and thinks that he's died in the war. And in fact, his brother dies. So now he is the heir. And then, you know, essentially again, like he runs into her and she has a this seven or eight year old daughter. And the thing that I really loved about this book is that it's really clear, like the inequality that comes along with like, they did this together, but she's the one who pays mm-hmm. the price. And, you know, everybody was fine with it when they thought she was a widow and she was sort of courting this, this one man was courting her. But then as soon as he discovers like that, she, it was out of wedlock, this guy's like, oh, well then I don't have to be with you. You can, I can essentially just assault you. I mean, there's like this threat against her because now she's like this downtrodden Wiccan woman. And I really found myself thinking that it was, you know, it was really like kind of tackled head on Mm -hmm. the way that the price for this gets is not equally distributed. And I think that that is something that historicals have done over the years really well, is shown us the the inequity of this, the the imbalance of the power here. I think there's an imbalance of power, too, in contemporaries. It's just the world we live in. Yeah, it's just a different thing. Yeah. Have you read Lord of Regrets by Sabrina Darby? I have. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I love Sabrina. <laughs> Sabrina's writing is unbelievable. Now, I would not call it Secret Baby exactly because it opens, Natasha is his, like, mistress. And it opens with her saying, I'm pregnant. And he immediately, and he doesn't, he's set to inherit, but he's not going to. And, you know, he's, like, scrapping and trying to, like, bring it all together or whatever. 
And he is like, you're going to get rid of it. And he storms out of the room and locks her in her room, right? Where, like, she stays. And then she is looking around like, I'm not letting him do this to me. He's going to bring in some quack of a surgeon, and I'm, I'm not going like this. And she is in this room on the third floor. She basically, like, can't. There's no suitcase. There's no way to get out. He's locked her in the room. So she, like, takes as much jewelry as she can. This is your This is your kink. Yes, absolutely. Like, right? And is, like, just wearing as many necklaces and puts on all the rings and, like, the loosest gloves she has over it and essentially climbs out the motherfucking window. And meanwhile, he's downstairs and it's 20 or 30 minutes later and he's been pacing and he realizes, like, he was wrong. I mean, and he goes upstairs and she is Coldest of storage. Coldest of storage. Coldest. (laughs) And he has, he cannot find her for five years. Years. Yeah. Exactly. He has to find it. Yeah. So it's not really secret baby, right? Because she tells him, but it certainly pushes every single it's one of secret. those buttons. It's like, yeah, missing family. Oh, perfect. I'm going to reread that book this week. <laughs> yeah. That's, it was great. all I want, you guys. Can we just talk about, like, all I want right now are these, like, big yeah. emotions where heroes are just crawling over glass. That's all well, I want. This motherfucker is hit me up on bloody. Twitter and Instagram with your best crawling <laughs> over glass right reads. That's all I want. We are sponsored this week by Radish, Romance That Feels You. Radish is a comprehensive romance fiction library penned by talented popular writers. Bottomless content, one cute app. So here's how Radish works. And I didn't understand this until we started working with them. So I think it's useful to go through it. Oh yeah. Um, so Radish works on a coin system, but there's one app, everything's like really well organized, really well categorized. If you have a trope you love, you can find tons of stories that are all tagged with that trope. You can find, uh, content by authors that we've loved on the podcast that we've talked about before on the podcast. And also these kind of big episodic pieces, which feel more like soap operas. They're just like endless and it's very cool. But the thing that I like the most about it as a romance reader is we have all gotten into the hang of downloading and reading sample chapters of books that we're not sure about. Like, does that, will that scratch the edge? And that can be kind of a pain, right? Like, are you going to read it on your computer and see if you like it? Are you going to send it to your device? But with Radish, you can just, like, open a book and the sample chapter, those first 10 chapters essentially just will pop up kind of one at a time. And so the barriers to entry are basically so low. If it looks good, you can try it. And then once you read the first 10 or 15 chapters, then you can decide if you want to keep reading really fast to spend coins. And if not, then you can just wait the next hour for the next chapter to unlock. Right. So chapters unlock in 30 minutes or an hour. And um, so it's actually really great because if you're running errands or you're doing something or if you have something that you do every day, like if you work out every day and you're a chaotic reader like me and you're reading multiple (laughs) books at the same time, you could just read the new chapter of everything you're reading. Or if you're super into what you're reading, you pay some coins and you get your your whole book. But we're going to help you with the coin part. Right, Jen? That's right. Because Radish has a special offer, which is you will receive 24 free coins when you sign up at radish.social slash fatedmates. You can use those to check out books we've recommended by authors you've liked or heard on Faded Mates or one of their exclusive episodic series. 
Either way, we think it's something any enthusiastic romance fan will want to check out. Thanks again to Radish for sponsoring the show. Um, Listen, can we also talk about billionaires? Because I think that's a big piece of this puzzle. (laughs) Because Mm. it's always secret baby with somebody who is going to make sure that that child is a prince among men slash women. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I mean, it's never, it's always like it's secret baby by, oh, I wanted to talk about, well, we'll talk about it because nobody, nobody's baby but mine. But, you know, there's also sec- the other way that I can, I absolutely suspend disbelief when a, her- when a heroine doesn't tell the hero is when they are super rich billionaires. Yes. Or when they are like sports stars because, or rock stars, like people who are in the public eye, because then I do believe the kind of pride factor comes into play with the heroine when she's thinking to herself, well, it was supposed to be a one-night stand, and now this is the situation, and I will not be, like, some woman who, some person who returns to, and it seems like I've trapped them into marriage. God knows I love a she trapped me into marriage. And, you know, I've written that multiple times. Like, oh, she's trapping me into marriage. That fourth book in the Kylie Scott series essentially has that plot. Now, she, again, he knows, but she wasn't going to tell him. He sort of figures it out. That's a good example of he gets told by her sister. No, by Mal. Well, no, they're at dinner. They're they're at a big dinner. And essentially, she brings a date. And everybody kind of figures it out, and it's like a big, you know, thing. That's there's a Kate Meter hockey book that's like that too. Oh, the most yeah. is it the most recent one? Yeah. If you look in show notes, it'll be we'll put it in the array. But it's it's one of the recent ones of Kate Meters where he gets told. And this is my other thing. I and I said that I don't really love it when they get told because I like the punch to the gut of. N- realizing it right which is why it works it worked which is why deep worked for me maybe um so well where he gets told by the groupie right and we had an entire episode on nobody's baby but mine and well it's very definitely done well, that's a good yeah. baby plot i think here let, I, here's the other thing i kind of want well but she also traps him so it's different because the she other thing though. about she doesn't well, want to. She, she was attempting to. to trap him. Yes. She just wants the baby, which is terrible. PSA, don't do this. <laughs> this no. is a terrible way to live your life. <laughs> okay, so here's here's my other idea. In old school romance, there's a lot of really like kind of over the top secret baby plots. These are books I wouldn't necessarily like recommend. And I'm thinking, for example, about Long Time Coming by Sandra Brown, which I read in 1983 or it came out in 1983 and I definitely read it in the 80s. And I like reread, I didn't reread the whole thing, although I do have a pristine copy of it here. Nice. It's an old love swept where he is an astronaut. Yes. Does he go to the moon so she can't tell him? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. No, it's honestly it's on the like space station. I don't really re I don't recommend rereading this because I reread it and whole parts of it came back to me, which is so 17 years ago when he was 22, he's hanging out in the neighborhood with this girl who is 16. And her, the heroine was 14. It was her older sister. 
And he I remember that sleeps with the six he sleeps with a 16-year-old. I don't know that he knew how old she was, but again, it was the 80s. And I think that different rules. Right? Different rules. And then she dies drink, drunk driving because she was reckless and a terrible person or whatever, so right? She gets really the the sister becomes an Anne and raises him. And there's, like, a lot of slut-shaming, right? And it's kind of like, mm-hmm. this guy gets off, like, scot-free. Even though everyone knows astronauts. Astronauts can get it anywhere they want, and they do. What was that movie where Jack Nicholson was an astronaut in the Is 80s? Is it The Right Stuff? Remember that? No. It was like— I don't know. I just made that up. I just know The Right Stuff is about astronauts. Okay, no, you know what it is? It's the one really sad one where Shirley MacLaine's daughter dies. Was he an astronaut in that? It's a, that's called Terms of Endearment. Yes, I am pretty sure. And I found myself thinking, like, I I bet if I, like, went back and did Chat math Nicholson that, like. Nicholson an astronaut. Right. I don't believe that sure. for a second. I think I'm right, you guys. But I was like, that's a deep cut into the 80s. I mean, I believe that you are correct, but I don't believe that he would. Uh, that's a casting issue. But I think I found myself thinking, right, exactly. Well, you know. But I just found myself thinking, like, oh, I bet this was just, like, you know, pop culture being what it was. You could see it in yeah. romance. But I think the thing is, you now, in order to sort of... Uh, justify, I guess, a secret baby plot. There's a lot. I think you're more, really more likely to get a real bananas bonkers plot in a modern romance because you need a lot of like pieces in order to get the reader to go along with the secret. Can I give you an example? You're going to fucking love this, Sarah. I'm ready. My body is ready. Okay. This is one from Nisha, everybody. This is me cheating, but you're going to see such a good effect. (laughs) The it's beguiled by Lori Foster. Okay, so the book opens with Dane. He is a private investigator, and his twin brother Derek. Already, I got you right Twins? on the book. What? Let me reel. Yes. Let me reel. Now, let me reel you in. Um, the next other contemporary I have is also has twins, but in a different way. So Dane's brother Derek has died, but the you know Derek ran the family company, and if people knew Derek was dead, like oh, it's they, like gorilla you know, twins. Maybe the, Sure. It's like real twin. So Dane essentially agrees to impersonate Derek for a while till they get the company settled. So whatever. Meanwhile, Angel comes to see him in his office. And Dane knows that like Derek had actually maybe dated this woman in order to get like secrets from her, which he then used to like get control of the company. And then he had her fired. So Derek did her real dirty. She shows up and she's basically like, you know, I know it's been a while since you've seen me, but obviously I just wanted you to know that, like, it's not too late for you to be in the baby's life. And Dane was like, excuse me? And it turns out that Angel has had Derek's Perfect. baby. This is great. But, I feel like this is also, right? yes, I'm for it. <laughs> right? And it turns out we understand she's in some sort of danger, right? So she was pushed down <gasps> like stairs and broke oh, her no. leg. And, you know, of course she has no money because Derek did her so dirty. She doesn't Terrible. have any money anymore. And so Derek. Dane is like, I am going to pretend to be Derek and also take care of you and also be the PI that figures out why. It's amazing. I'm gonna to be I was Derek. like, I'm going to pretend to be Derek. I'm going to pretend to be my twin is... A real romance ride. I'm very, I mean, honestly, 
never sad about it. Like oh ever. Oh my God, right? I love this genre so much. I love it so much. Yes, me I too. So I was much. delighted reading this this morning. I think the thing about it though too is, I think part of the reason that I'm his twin in these stories works is because often the reason someone cannot be the father is because they're a real bastard. And therefore the good guy twin, right, can be like, but I'm not. I'm sorry. Right. My bro- Evil I'm twin. sorry, Derek was a jerk Evil to twin. you. Right. Evil twin. Um, so yeah, it's great. So speaking of twins, <laughs> I think that the other really interesting piece of this is um how Secret Baby is such so okay. When you're a romance writer and you decide you're gonna write a trope like Secret Baby, mm. one of the yeah. challenges of it is how to make it not the same Secret Baby story that everybody has read for a million years. Of um, so you sort of, you sit and you think with it and you think, okay, how do I do this? And I think one of the things, Reese, so I want to talk about Reese Ryan, who we here at Fated Mates are Reese Ryan stands. She's a real professional. She knows the job. She understands the assignment. And she also is like the queen of tropes. So Reese Ryan is one of the few writers who like, if she writes a secret baby book, I'm in. Her and Naima Simone, I just think are, you know, we love both of them, but we're going to talk about Reese today. So um, I want to talk about Billionaire's Legacy. Talk about somebody who has. Is this the one with the baby on the cover? The hero is holding a baby with a bow on her head. Like, look down right now, everybody. You're going to see it. It's those bow headbands. Unreal. It's so cute. You know the ones where there's no reason for a headband, but they wear them anyway. This baby has no, no hair. No need they, for a headband. She, headband. she <laughs> knows how to accessorize. So anyway, um, I want to just talk about talk about a trope reel. I made a list. It is best friend's little brother who has had a crush on her and pined for her forever. He is a billionaire. They right there in the I title. Mean, of course he is. They are they meet up again at a wedding. They have a one night stand and basically agree one night and that's it because of all these other tropes that are wrapped into this. And then it's oops <laughs> twins. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oops, twins. <laughs> and Oops, he comes twins. back for her because, of course, he goes away on, I don't know, some important thing. Romance goes away for business. business. For romance business. And then he, but of course, while he's away, he's like, oh, I can't. I, I got to get, I. All I can do is think ooh, about her. I yeah. get back to her. Um, her name is Sloan. <laughs> His name is Benjamin. And um, when he gets back, Oops, Twins has happened. And then he's like, I'm a, and she's like, we can't. And he's like, I'm a billionaire. Of course we can. And here's the thing. We've never done a billionaire episode. We've done a lot of billionaire books on the show, <laughs> but we've never done a billionaire episode. And look, capitalism is terrible and eat the rich and everything. But let's be honest. If we could find a decent billionaire and that therein lies the problem. If we could find a decent romancy billionaire. Sure. Lock that down, ladies. <laughs> And men. <laughs> Anyone you want. Um, I just had a really funny idea for a show. And I'm going to say it right now so I don't forget. Which is we should just do an episode where, like, you start off with a book you've read 
and you talk about their characters by their names. And then I say, like, oh, I have a romance with a character named Ben. Oh, that would right? be really and we just, fun. Let's do that. I know. We should also do do that for tropes. Like, Reese yes. Ryan, and then it's like, tick, and then it's like, Jessica and tick. <laughs> we, yes. Oh, that would be so fun. We should do those for fun sometime. Okay, well, I'm actually going to be able to do it right here because you said Ben, and I want to talk about her twin baby secret by Therese Bahari. Therese, who also, also has her own twin babies who are not secret because I know about them. <laughs> <laughs> Again, no one's keeping twins secret. I Listen, just don't even understand it. I'm, rem- I'm amazed people right? keep twins. <laughs> it's too many. <laughs> Same. Do you know the first time I ever, I think I may have told this story on the podcast in an earlier season, but I'm going to tell it again. First time I think Eric really ever realized the deal with romances. We were, (laughs) and it was after I had a job doing this, but like, you know, the first time we were in Barnes and Noble and we were standing in the, I was in the romance section, like looking for a book. This was when you went to stores and bought books. I remember those days. And, and I was in the store and I was standing in the romance section and there was the, on the end cap was a Harlequin presents. Sure. You know. Well. And the, he held up a book and went, this is why people have questions about romance. And I looked at it, and it was titled, The Italian Billionaire's Pregnant Mistress. Sure. Even better, Jen, it had a seal on it that said, baby on board. (laughs) And Eric was like, write the fuck on. What? What? Is this? And you were like, that looks great. And I was like, Eric, that tells secret baby fans everything they need. And I will say this. Yes. Nobody. Does packaging, like Harlequin Presents, packages a secret baby book or secret pregnancy book? I mean, absolutely not. You Listen. get it all in. The, they put those women, they, they're all, all those models are wearing baby bumps on the covers. Sometimes there are babies on the, on the covers wearing headbands. It's. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes there's dogs so, and, and babies. It's like, Listen. Listen, Harlequin knows the job. Yes. Oh my god! At the end of this episode, you should—I should tell the story about Mister Reed's romance and his coworker. But first, I want Wait, to talk about Teresa yes. Hurry. You want to talk about Ben, though? Yes. I'm sorry. We had like a big interlude. Of course, what a shock. Okay, in this book, her twin baby secret. Alexa is our heroine, and it's really interesting. It opens up in a prologue with she has a brother who is a year younger, who is—he's um, not a nice person. And he is constantly, she, there, there's this great line where it's basically like he was in a constant competition with her and it was like to the death, but he was the only one participating. And, you know, and in this case, she had saved up all her money and was going to buy this space to have a restaurant. And she tells her parents and she's like, we're going to go and see this restaurant I'm going to buy. But her parents told the, her evil brother, Lee. And so they show up and Lee shows up and he's like, yeah, it's great. I just bought it. And he's like, So he totally undercuts her, and he thinks, I'm going to rent it to you. And she's like, no, I am not going to, like, have my restaurant in a space you own where you can just fuck with me forever. Although it's Therese Pahari, so it's not that she would never say fuck, but I would. And anyway, so 
she just is like, forget it, and I'm out of here. And then it's four years later, and she has, like, found her own space and has run her own restaurant. But her brother is constantly trying to screw with her, and she thinks that his business partner, Ben, is kind of a jerk, too. But one night, they're all somewhere together, and just to mess with Lee, she basically kisses Ben and tells Lee that they've been, like, fake dating. And it turns out that Ben kind of, for his own reason, goes along with it. And then we discover that she is pregnant with twins. She's been artificially inseminated. Because she was like, I just want to be a mother, and I want to make a life for myself that has, that will be like, I want to raise these kids to feel the way that I never felt, which is secure in the love of my own family with my a mother who loved me. And now it's real tricky for Ben because she's like, if I break up with him, everyone's going to think he abandoned his children when they're not even <gasps> his. So it is, it is really like, you know, back to that whole, like How now you, you have to have that it. twist. That's so clever. I love so much about that. I love the agency of choosing pregnancy. Yes. I love, yes. You know, the sense of not wanting to to destroy this poor man's life. And it's such a clever way. It, it clever is a great it's word clever. for it. Where I was like, there is no way I can, can do this. But I think what I really also liked about it is secret baby is often yes. the plot. And this was really a book where it was like, those babies were about yeah. family and about like making the family you want for yourself. That's really nice. And it's terrific. Therese writes a great, and great And maybe romance. this is a good yeah. place for me to talk a little bit about what I always mm, – I don't know how to frame it, how to say it. I guess the worry that I have about Secret Babies, I don't know if it's worry. It's discomfort maybe. I don't know. I don't know what the word is. But, you know, when we talk about romances and tropes here, we're – we're always looking at like what works. What? Why does this work? What is? Why does this particular mm-hmm. thing scratch my itch? Like why does? So I think a lot about how huge, how immense this trope is. How much? How, I mean, it basically keeps the light on at presents, right? Yeah. So I feel often when I look at it, I think there are lots of different reasons. I think again, pregnancy, babies, all the stuff that is wrapped up in that is a real emotional there's some real emotional stuff happening in everyone's yes. heads around that when they like this trope. So I'm not at all saying that I think everybody comes to this trope for this reason, but I can never quite shake the idea that part of the reason why this trope works so well for so many people is that it gives us a model of a family in which Men are all in on family, children, caretaking, child-rearing, participatory parenting, engagement. Yeah. And I struggle with that only because – I don't struggle with that being a fantasy. I struggle with that being a reality, right? With – I struggle with – I feel like in Secret Babies, what we're really seeing over and over and over again is the sh- the, the unfortunate reality that many, many families don't have a, a parent. A one parent is disconnected. Equal co-parenting. And, 
But these heroes, they don't ever, they're never like watching the game while the baby's crying or, you know, not doing the dish because, first of all, a lot of them are billionaires, so that helps. <laughs> it does There's take plenty of help. away a lot. But do you you see what I'm saying? And I, yeah, I'm sorry no, for not being able I to do. fully articulate the feelings of this, but it just feels... Un- unfortunate for me that there may be I think there are there is a non-zero percentage of secret baby readers who are reading it aspirationally and I hate that I hate that for them I hate that 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 is the concern I mean this came up with a a review of Sally Rooney's new book where you know someone who talked about like kind of it is a romance without ever t- without ever yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. romance and talked about like maybe it's aspirational fucking To me, maybe the way to, like, push past that is when, you know, there's a lot of people who talk about, like, well, romance is just a fantasy and, you know, it's just aspirational. And we're like, wait, wanting a partner who treats you with love and respect is aspirational? Like, what are you talking about? But I think that there are a lot of ways in which we are just, like, exploring what it would mean, right? Like, we're digging into, I mean, it's just really deep-seated cultural and the patriarchy about like what does it mean to bring a child into the world what does it mean to bring a child into a family what does it mean if you're bringing a child into the world where you are worried you're not gonna have enough money to provide the things that Mm -hmm. you have let alone enough like love or care and this is like a safe way of us like sort of exploring but I think also there's this piece where and I don't know if you experience this when you know you were getting pregnant or when you were pregnant, but there, there's this mythology around pregnancy and babies that, you know, everybody says, oh, it's so hard. It's so hard. Right. But that's not the message that the whole world sends. The whole world sends like, it's such joy. It's so perfect. You're going to love it. It's so like great. And the truth is it's fucking hard and it's not as hard in these books because in these books, there are, you know, there is a there is a, pa- a second parent who is all in once he figures out that it exists, right? The parenting exists. Right. And then there's also a com- often, you know, money is not a worry. They're just, you know, babies in romance novels are often just very squeaky clean. I remember when Little Romance was a baby. I was not a good parent. I was a good parent to a baby. I did not enjoy parenting a baby. Same. And I remember once, and I don't know if people know this, but if you live in the city with a baby and a a small child, you spend a lot of time at the park because you don't really have a yard the same way. And when I say a lot of time at the park, I mean like six, eight hour stretches at the park in the summer, right? Every day. That's where you go to the park. And I remember really explicitly one day at the park kind of being like, I'm so tired of being here. And you have to kind of like talk to other parents and, you know, there's just like a lot of forced whatever. And this dad said to me, well, like, enjoy it now. Wait till they're 16. And I was like, I like, or maybe he's even said 13 because I teach 13-year-olds. And I remember thinking like, I like 13-year-olds. But it's perfectly acceptable culturally speaking, in America, to sort of, like, bitch about your teenagers and how hard and terrible they are. And people will be like, yes, but it is not really socially acceptable to bitch about how hard and terrible your baby is. Right. And so I think that, for me, Secret Baby, it pushes a lot of my personal buttons 
because I feel like I often tell people even to this day, like if you have a friend who needs someone who's like, yeah, having a baby sucks. Yeah. I am happy to be that person. Right. Because I loved my baby. I loved, I loved him. I love him still, but I, and I loved parenting him through the teenage years and felt so much more confident and capable and really had a great fucking time than I did when he was one, two, and three. I can remember holding my 10-week-old or six-week-old screaming in the middle of the night and looking at her and being like, I understand why parents leave. Like, I understand why they just say, I'm not doing this anymore. And it just – so – Anyway, now we're sort of like doing – now we're doing a different thing. But I think this is so important because I think all of this gets packed in. And also I just want to name baby logs, which is not what we were intending to talk yeah. about here. And look, I fucking love a baby log. I've written a lot of them. Why don't you explain what it is for people who don't know that So phrase? that's when um, you write a whole romance novel and then the epilogue is I'm pregnant or I'm having a child or we have children. And I really love that. I do. And I think I, and I understand that that's, there's a lot of coded shit in there for me, like that it's about family and, you know, longevity and legacy and all those things. And also I write historical so often, you know, babies come with the territory if you're writing a hero with a title often, not always, but often. Um, And I did just write a heroine who does not want children and a hero who also does not want children and they are not having children. But and I think we're seeing more of those. We, you know, we saw Bev Jenkins did that yes. in Wild Rain this year. Mm-hmm. And Joe Wild did that. Like, we're seeing a number of people are doing mm-hmm. that stuff. But I really love that. And I don't – and I and I think that those – that sort of happily ever after with children feels um, – I mean, it really is – it's packed with the expectation of a very specific kind of future. And – I understand that that is a that's a challenge, right? That's a that's not how future. That's not how happiness has to look. That's not how love has to look. That's not how families look um, necessarily. And I think there's there's just it's a tricky. This is this is the trickiest place I think where romance lives. Where the around the subject of what comes after love, and I think that what secret baby slash secret pregnancy often does is gives it it twists that whole it throws that whole thing off kilter right because the family comes before love one way i like approach the baby log and again this is i'm not if if people dislike it i think that it is completely fair um no i was just going to say i totally understand the dislike of it too i think for me one of the ways that it like when i'm when one of the ways it works or one of the ways i can sort of see what it's trying to do is Romance is about falling in love and the HEA is deciding to be together. But we don't often get that now you're a family. The two of you or the three of you, however many people are in the relationship in our family. And often that means like we, maybe we're going to have kids or whatever. But I think it's like your family of origin versus your yeah. family of choice. And I think that baby log was just a, a shortcut to... Here is a glimpse at them in the mm. future, 
right? They are not going to make the same mistakes, right? So when you look at like Derek Craven, for example, right? He was alone his entire life. He's wearing the drain pipe, blah, blah, blah. And so him being a doting father isn't about the baby. It's about showing that Derek, Derek has love himself. Now. Derek has a capacity for love and also is loved. But a lot of people rightly point out that you don't need no. a baby to show that. No, it's just it a, is a, a shortcut. shortcut. I also think, you know, there's the heroes with babies compulsion for a lot of us, which is just truly basic, sure. but also, you know, basic. <laughs> you know, I do think you're right. The the baby log does define. Um, it's about the hero almost exclusively, especially when you're writing almost a character always, who, yeah. a la Elizabeth Lowell's warrior, cannot love. Right, right. You're like, prove it. Because then I think it's a really interesting. I think there's a lot of questions about, like, what makes the HEA believable? Do I have enough of it? Right? And a lot of people, you know, the epilogue is sort of a, a chance to, to fast forward a bit into the future and look at a, a day in the life of these folks at some later point. How are you going to essentially confirm for the reader? And again, a, like, it's a shortcut. And shortcuts can be, you know can be can feel lazy or can feel perfunctory or can feel any right. other way as well. Before we finish, I have one more book I do oh, want to talk about. All right. I do. We'll do it. Cuz I was really like has there ever been a secret baby that was like a slam dunk for me? And there is one. So, it is the book Baby Come Back by Molly O'Keefe. You love a Molly O'Keefe? And this I do love Molly O'Keefe. I think Molly O'Keefe is great. And here's the thing, it's not it is a standalone, but I do think you kind of have to read the first book which is called Bad Neighbor. And what it is, again, you're going to fucking love this. Two brothers fall in love with two sisters, and the sisters are twins. Perfect. That's how and it And in the first be. book, Bad Neighbor, right? <laughs> I know. I'm like, this is obviously what you want. In the first book, Bad Neighbor, we get Charlotte and Jesse. And what we get is, like, they both think their siblings are the most selfish people in the universe. Charlotte has essentially, like, sold her condo and given all her money to her sister to help her escape this bad man, which happens to be Jesse's brother, Jack. And then you get Baby Come Back, where you get, like, their whole story. So smart. I love that. And I love a duology like that. It is, yeah. And it's, you know, like I said, they're standalones, but they're so, so really tightly packed together. And what you really get is, I think part of the reason it works for me is, when you get characters who are introduced as being like kind of selfish and no good, he's a villain and she's just like sort of flighty and a and a, a user and you know, then when they those characters in the next mm-hmm. book get redeemed, right? And basically she, Abby is pregnant and takes off because she thinks she has seen Jack do something that is unforgivable. Right? He's a mobster and a gangster, and she witnesses something and she's like, I gotta get out of here. I'm not safe, and my baby is not safe. And he chases her across the country, and I'm not sad about it. Perfect. And it's great. And maybe that's part of it. Maybe that's why Presents always nails it in a lot of ways, because the packing in of ridiculous romance reasons makes keeping a baby or a pregnancy secret more reasonable in a modern age. And that's it. I feel like it's if you like high stakes, like high external stakes and a lot of emotional drama— this is going to deliver that every time. All right. Can I make my request? Yes. You guys, this is real obscure. And I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know if you'll be able to help me. But a long, long time ago, when I was a little, a little taut, 
in my parents' house in Rhode Island. I read a Love Swept that had a red cover. And on, you know, in the, and this was a more modern Love Swept because it had like the, a photograph on it. The box. Um, okay. It could have been a Harlow. It was red, so it could have been a Desire. All right. So I, I don't know. It was definitely a category, though. The heroine on the hero on the cover is wearing a tuxedo. The heroine on the cover is wearing a red silk dress, a silk gown. She is pregnant on the cover. I am a hundred percent certain that he is a billionaire. Um, she gets well, it was but he would have been a millionaire. Yeah, he would have been since the eighties. Just, just a millionaire. Um, and she gets pregnant over the course of the book, and he. Finds her, it's like a late in the book secret baby plot where she gets pregnant and then she can't, she like pieces out and then he finds her. And in the epilogue, this is the part that I remember. So please hit me up, y'all. She is, or it's maybe not the epilogue. It might just, no, the epilogue happens under a Christmas tree. Like they, there are infants. So that like it ends at Christmas. There are infants. I'm pretty sure there are twins, but I can't guarantee the twins. And, but the last chapter, the second to last chapter, she has the babies. No, it's the last chapter. It's like the last scene of the book. She has the baby. She's in the hospital and she's like waiting. They're in the waiting room. They're in the, like, she's in a hospital bed, like about to pop, but like she, it's not happening quickly. And the doctor leaves yeah. the room and he, he fingers her to <laughs> orgasm on the table. In an eighties Harlequin, it wouldn't have been the eighties. It would have been like the early nineties. Or desire. Okay. <laughs> and then he, he <laughs> fingers her to orgasm. And then I don't know. I guess the babies come. I don't know. But it was so bizarre. But also like weird. Like weirdly, I was weirdly into it. And yeah. So I just if if this rings a bell for you in any way, please let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Now we got to find it. So now I want to know all about it. And then maybe Jen and I will read it as a deep dive. <laughs> uh, hello. Yes, we will. The minute somebody tells us what it is, it's going to happen. All right, Jen. I think we did, you know, some of the business here. Thanks to Nisha Sharma for giving Jen the answers. Oh, Sarah. <laughs> I did plenty of my own homework. You did fine. Uh, anyway, we love you guys. Um, we hope that any babies you have are secret and wanted. And um, we're not secret. Wait, we don't want them to be secret. We want them to be I know, wanted. I was like, though. no, we don't. We um, don't. So, sure don't uh, this is Faded Mates, and you can find us at fadedmates.net. Don't forget to read the spectacularly excellent show notes that Jen puts together every week. She's a superstar. Head to fadedmates.net to also find merch from Jordan Janae, stickers from best friend Kelly. You can find us on Twitter at Faded Mates. You can find us on Instagram at Faded Mates Pod. Next week, we're reading Amanda Quick's Ravished, which Ravished. is Harriet in a Cave with a Rake. <laughs> um, we hope you enjoyed our Trailblazer episode last week with Sandra Brown. Wasn't she the fabulous? And yeah, we hope you're reading great books. Tell us all about your favorite secret babies. Yeah, and if you can think of one of those medievals, let me know. Scotland, the thatch roof. I want it. <laughs>